The Forum at 8 on SAFM. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we're examining the proposed amendments to South Africa's immigration laws. They're due to come into effect on the 1st of April this year. Now, the proposed changes aimed, uh, are aimed at setting in place a new system of immigration control, but experts have argued that the revised regulations won't stop illegal immigration. In fact, they say it's too late for damage control. So we're asking you on the forum this morning, are we closing the stable door on immigration after the horse has already bolted? 34701, if you'd like to talk to us on SMS, cost you two rand to do so. Tweet or Facebook us, AM Live on SAFM. Email the show, amlive at safm.co.za. But give us a call right now. The lines are open, 0891 Talking today about whether we're closing the door on immigration, but has the horse already bolted? Joining me on the line, Home Affairs Minister, Ms. Naladi Pandor. Good morning, ma'am. Thanks for, t- for your time today. Uh, good morning, and morning to your listeners. Thank you for the opportunity. Most welcome. Also joining us is uh, Nico LaRue, who's the group CEO of IntegrateImmigration.com. Mr. LaRue, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning to, all, to yourself and the SAFM listeners. Good morning, um, Mr. Pondo. Ms. Panto, if I may start with you, let's just look at the immigration laws that you presented. I think it was the 23rd of January, there was a presentation held describing what is likely to be uh, certain changes in the Immigration Act of South Africa. Could, could you outline some of the main ones for us? Uh, well, thank you. I think um, we, we need to clear the air a little bit because um, the 23rd of April briefing was about future policy development. But what is in the public domain at the moment are uh, draft immigration regulations that uh, give effect to amendments to the Immigration uh, uh, Act that were passed uh, in 2007 as well as in 2011. It's taken several uh, uh, iterations of these regulations to get to a point where we have a set that we've now put out for public comment. And they seek to really improve the efficiency and management uh, of immigration uh, in South Africa. But as I said uh, on the 23rd January that you mentioned, I believe far more needs to be done uh, in order to improve immigration policy in South Africa and to ensure that South Africa enjoys uh, some of the advantages that accrue uh, uh, when a country has uh, uh, an effective immigration uh, policy, processes, and infrastructure, but also to ensure that we have the requisite security and protection for our country uh, uh, against the illegality that you referred to earlier. Mr. LaRue, that doesn't sound bad. We're trying to prevent illegality. There's currently foreign nationals in this country who are afraid to open their businesses. Uh, Some may be afraid of the backlash from the community against uh, the foreign nationals. Others are afraid simply because they're operating illegally in the country. So shouldn't we be clamping down on this? Yes, absolutely. But I think think just to also um, um, put the landscape down is that South Africa is, is a country of of pretty much two sides um, on the f- on the first sides and and I referred especially to the article yesterday in in Business Day mm. um, um, where where Minister Pondor has said it it is we are trying to clamp down uh, pretty much on especially some of um, the neighbouring countries and and unskilled um, uh, migrants coming to South Africa so there is a there is a side to which I 
and we as an organization can completely understand why stricter regulations would like to actually be put in. But then the other side, um, um, we are in short in of a huge amount of unskilled um, labor, um, um, which is well publicized. Um, we do need uh, people to come to South Africa, create business, create jobs, um, and, and what we are potentially seeing here is a change of law that um, um, in order to make our borders stricter for the unskilled labor, um, 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 but at the same time, it also precludes the skilled labor as well as business actually coming to South Africa and, make, and, and actually making it very, very difficult to actually, um, um, for them to actually come and invest their money and apply their actual skilled trade here. It is a very, very difficult um, and balancing act that I think the minister has got on her hands. Um, um, but one needs to argue what is more important at this stage. You think she's got it wrong here in trying to close those loopholes, these unintended consequences are, are there staring at you? Um, there's a few changes which, um, well, overall, there's a, there is quite a few changes which we um, applaud and we think it's absolutely right. But I think you are 100% correct. There is um, 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 a few um, laws there where the unintended consequences, I, I don't, we don't believe, has been really thought through, um, um, which, we, which we actually can discuss um, 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 right through. But um, and those changes, we feel... Um, will have a, a detrimental effect on investment in South Africa, skilled labor, as well as in certain instances it does trample on um, um, on actual human rights, especially if you go and look at the new regulations for the, um, for the life partner permit. I will get to the life partner permits. We also need to talk about business permits, uh, those uh, uh, permits for exceptional skills. Uh, there's some changes to be discussed around those. If you'd like to give us a call to engage on this, perhaps any of those permits pique your interest, something that you're applying for, something that you've had difficulty in getting done. Perhaps it's a business permit. You're trying to set up a new company in South Africa, trying to get labor and, and employ skills. Give us a call. We've got uh, Minister of Home Affairs on the line uh, together with uh, an expert in this field, uh, Nicola Roo. A group CEO of IntegrateImmigration.com. The number to dial is 0891-104-208. That number again, 0891-104-208. We are opening up the lines right now. Ronald, my producer, is going to be taking your calls as you call through. Minister, uh, your response to these unintended consequences as you clamp down on uh, illegal immigrants to the country? Well, uh, we, we are, as I said, in the comment phase, so I'm sure Mr. LaRue and his colleagues have made submissions on the regulations, but my belief is that the regulations are an improvement on existing uh, regulations in that they do ease uh, access for business owners, they make it clear what the requirements will be, and I think uh, with respect to your uh, multinational corporations, many of which had begun to establish plants in South Africa. We have altered the position uh, fundamentally. I deal with many, many queries about the length of uh, the visa for these uh, uh, corporate uh, uh, managers who come to South Africa to establish new plants, to uh, share their skills, etc. And we've eased uh, their access, and I think that's a major change. With respect to life partners, we have uh, improved. Uh, the regulations in that uh, we are allowing for application uh, for work permit. Um, we have made the period uh, uh, of um, 
uh, rather duration of the uh, marriage or partnership, uh, a, a period of five years, because we've had massive abuse in South Africa through marriages of convenience, where in order to get legal status, people marry, um, and then once they've got the South African uh, permit, uh, they then separate or the person, uh, the foreigner deserts uh, the South African partner. This person is left with the children. It's often South African women. So we said the, uh, in order to get permanent residence, uh, the partnership would have to be uh, proven to have been of five or more years duration. What do you think about that? Give us a call, 0891104208. Would you like to discuss uh, the immigration laws, how they're uh, proposed to be changed, and the minister asking for your input right now. So if you'd like to engage, there are formal ways of, of uh, introducing your comment, but of course, here's one way for you to engage directly on this show. 0891104208. We'll take Victor, who's called in from Johannesburg, and then we've got Lan in Cape Town, also a call from Port Alfred. But Victor, you're up first. Good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? We're doing well this morning, Victor. Go ahead. What's your thoughts? Very well. Good morning, Minister. Uh, she's, my, she's on the line, my, Victor. She may not be able to hear you. Line. She is on the line. Okay. She can hear you. My, my, my question is around the process of issuing permits. Right. Everything seems to be sent to Pretoria to be handled. As mm. a result, a lot of foreigners are not having a valid permit when they shoot because it's taking forever for these permits to get out. Victor, thanks for that. Where, where are you from, Victor? It sounds like, uh, are, are you uh, a foreigner trying to get a permit? I am an, I'm, a, I'm a Nigerian. I'm a Nigerian professional working here. And, okay. um, I've personally applied for citizenship, and it's taken over two years now. So you've been waiting two years to get your citizenship. Any problem with the work visa? No, no, no. I have uh, a permanent residency. Oh, you have a permanent residency. Okay, Victor, thanks for that call there. I will take uh, Lan, who's called in from Cape Town as well. Lan, good morning. Hi, morning. Actually, it's Len. 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 Oh, sorry about that, Len. Yeah. Good morning. 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 Um, my question is uh, aimed directly at the minister. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a small re- uh, wholesale business, and I call on the country areas in the Cape. And I have a very strong view on the fact that China is being allowed to dump the excess population in South Africa. Being sent in with uh, goodness knows how much money, they are taking over businesses. Those businesses then that were employing the locals are now staffed exclusively by Chinese, right? So we have a massive uh, increase in the unemployment rate in the country areas. And um, I think that the ministers should discuss uh, with the Department of Trade and Industry legal Chinese dumping of people. Len, thanks for that call. 20 minutes after 8, we do have to take a short break. We'll get those answers uh, for you, Victor and Len, right after the staging. Save for a rainy day. That's what they always say. But they don't know when it'll rain. So how do I know I'll get a great rate and access to my money when I need it? Eugene, with NetBank Money Trader, you get a rate of 5.5% per annum. And you can access your funds in 24 hours. So it's there when you need it. What about the fees? Fees? There are no fees or commissions. And your capital is fully guaranteed. Okay. Bring on the rain. Uh Uh-oh. Make saving for a rainy day happen. Visit any NetBank today. Call 0860-555-111 or go to netbank.coza. Terms and conditions apply. We're an authorized financial services and credit provider. Make things happen. NetBank. 
catch Bafana Bafana when they take on five times world champions and current FIFA Confederations Cup holders Brazil at the FMB Stadium on Wednesday, the 5th of March 2014 at 7pm as the host Brazil prepare for the 2014 FIFA World Cup. Tickets are available at Compute Tickets, ShopRite and ShopRite Checkers. Do not miss out on this match to celebrate 20 years of freedom. Brought to you by Gauteng Provincial Government. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 21 minutes after 8, you're joined here by uh, the Minister of uh, Home Affairs, Naledi Pando, who's uh, joining me on the panel, and Nico LaRue, Group CEO of IntegrateImmigration.com. Nico, I'd like to start with you. Uh, Victor's question about the long process at Home Affairs, why does everything have to be sent to Pretoria? I, I want the Minister to respond to that, but, I mean, would you agree that there is a fairly painfully long process, as Victor sort of paints that picture? Absolutely. It's been, it's, been, it's been extensively painful to get permits um, um, through the system since um, the system has changed to a centralized system where, where all permits, including temporary permits, are, are mainly issued by the central hub. Um, and we've seen a few improvements um, 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 during the last year in turnaround times, um, however, still not 100% correct. And I think, and I think what Victor is busy raising is one of the major issues with the change in Act. Um, we, we Acts do change, um, any Act around the country um, and around the world actually do change from time to time to stay up to times and conditions inside a country. But it's how those rules are applied on the ground which we potentially have an actual problem um, with. Um, Victor said that um, he's got permanent residency, but work permits um, um, and, and turnaround times are a, are a huge issue. Um, we, we don't just have an issue with turnaround times with regards to home affairs. Um, um, in order, in future, as we read the, read the new amendments, you would have to get a report from the Department of Labor onto, onto what is a desired mm. um, job. Um, and the involvement of the Department of Labor um, has been four times more painful than, than actually just dealing with mm. um, fees. Uh, and that's where our concern lies, is more in the practicalities um, on the ground than what is trying to be achieved by the change in actual regulations. Um, and we can see what is trying to be achieved by the actual changes in the actual regulation, but um, I think the majority of our concern is mainly how will it be implemented and um, turnaround times in the actual implementation because um, a lot of these amendments refer to the Department of Labor as well mm-hmm. as the Department of Trade and Industry. And that's a huge problem to us. Minister? Thank you very much. Well, I cannot disagree with Victor on the inefficiencies. This is something that keeps me uh, uh, awake at night. Uh, we have put in inter- interventions to uh, try to improve the uh, situation. Of course, there is no country in the world where you have permits issued um, at different uh, points of a country decentralized to the extent uh, that we had in South Africa. And we had this in a context of uh, massive corruption, which was a real problem. Um, I've been amazed at how people are prepared to sell the security of our country by you know, selling off our key security documents. But uh, we have uh, uh, improved and created specific units that are dealing uh, with particular permits. We've established a corporate officers division, uh, which deals with the corporate sector. Um, We've uh, had a project to get rid of the backlog 
on permanent uh, residence applications. There are a few that remain unprocessed because we have queries and my inspection office is uh, following up on those queries. So we're working hard uh, uh, to improve. On the matter raised by Len, uh, this is a, a, a real concern, but I think it's not just Chinese citizens. It's also citizens from other parts of uh, Asia, such as uh, Pakistan and Bangladesh. And here uh, I return to the call I made last week that we need to take immigration seriously as South Africa and invest in this particular area to ensure that we have sufficient inspectors. Because it's not just people who are coming in, it's also goods. Um, the uh, uh, illicit goods are having a terrible impact on our local manufacturing uh, ability as South Africa. So clearly, we need to strengthen both the arm of trade and industry as well as that of home affairs. The uh, current uh, bill on registration of businesses that is in Parliament is part of a response from trade and industry on this. And the regulations I have published for one getting a business permit uh, indicate that at minimum 60% of your employees must be South Africans. Minister, I'd like to take you back to this long process uh, at Home Affairs that Victor brought up. And, and you say, you admit that it's something that gives you sleepless nights. I'm, so, I'm sure many people who are waiting for the visas are also having equally sleepless nights. Why are we making this a process now where people have to present themselves in person in order to get a visa? Some may say it's a step backwards in an electronic process that we've tra- been trying to establish here through means of communications, eff- efficiencies in, in the global courier network, which is also happen. Why are we now asking individuals to present themselves in person, obviously creating perhaps a a, a more burdensome process for them, rather than doing so electronically? What we should do is that the offices that we will utilize, we must have electronic ability. So we are enhancing our technological capabilities to ensure that we make the process as smooth as possible. But you must personally apply We can't have this situation where we actually don't know whether the applicant uh, is a genuine applicant or not. I think what we're not discussing uh, um, is the fact that in South Africa there is massive abuse of our system, both by applicants, by those who assist them, as well as by some of my own uh, officials in my department. Mm. We're addressing all of this, Mm. and uh, we are moving, I hope, very rapidly toward a paperless system where in the future we will have e-application and the ability to collect biometric data of applicants. But until we get to that point, we're going to ask that uh, uh, applicants to present themselves. Nicola Rue, massive abuse in the system, illegal immigrants, only one element of that, though. And excuse me, um, and can you just reply to that question? Just just before I reply to that question, yeah. I can just kind of enhance what the minister says there, is in, in that the collection of biometric data is nothing strange. If you apply for a Schengen visa to go to Europe, you must apply, um, you must apply in person. You need to go mm-hmm. into the embassies, to the country that you, that you actually go to, and actually uh, present yourself to, for the fingerprints to be taken. So um, um, the matter of presenting yourself and applying in person um, um, really is nothing strange in the world. It's um, very acceptable. The question that we've got, however, is what happens thereafter in actual follow-ups. 
um, 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 the Act has repealed uh, Section 46, which we can discuss as well, is the representation of people actually after they've applied and appeared in um, in actual person. So in defense to the minister and the, and, and the department, I think um, um, applicants need to understand that um, um, for them to go into in um, to apply in person is nothing strange. If you go to any other country um, in the in the developed world, you must apply in person. That's mm-hmm. absolutely fine. And now, in terms of follow-ups, is that going to hurt your business? Because that's something that you would be doing, Nico. Yeah, obviously, it's one of the big services that mm. we actually offer is to actually follow up after a client has actually. Um, um, we are we are a little bit concerned about the repealing of Section 46, not just because it um, actually takes away immigration practitioners, but it opens up an industry um, 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 to absolute non-regulation, um, uh, which which we've got huge concerns of. And if you actually go and have a look at at countries where the immigration side is actually quite big, countries like uh, New Zealand, Canada, um, and Australia, and um, there's been a huge amount of debates about the regulation of an immigration industry. And um, um, especially in New Zealand in 2010, the Parliament um, debated um, the regulation of, of, of immigration practitioners and the representation of, of immigrants in the application of of um, the documents, and it, it, it became quite clear from their side, I understand it's a completely different country, but it was clearly said that a deregulation of, of, of the immigration business would lead to even more corruption and graft. Um, and then I can go into in depth on the uh-huh. on on the on the whole debate. We'll, we'll, we'll do that shortly, Nick. Right? Just let's let's just hold it right there. We'll we'll return to this conversation in the next few minutes. If you'd like to call in, pick up the phone in the next five minutes and give us a call on this number: oh eight nine one one zero four two eight. Wait five minutes before you pick it up because we've got news headlines up next with Kirat Lala, and then Rowena's going to tell us what's coming up on Morning Talk. News headlines first. Good morning. Coming up on Morning Talk today, we'll talk about the much-anticipated credit uh, amnesty. Trade and Industry Minister Rob Davies is going to join us and shed more light on this amnesty. And Brian Hirsch will also join us between 10 and 10.30. Brian will talk about how the national budget will affect the individual consumer, whether you're retired or you're still working, how it um, affects you. And after that, we'll have Property Matters with Dineo Mulomo. In the final hour, we will talk about the third Mandela Colloquium. It started on the 28th of February and will go on until the 7th of March. Archbishop Emeritus Desmond Dudu gave the lecture and we'll find out what the focus of his talk was. We will have intermittent crossings to the Gauteng North High Court in Pretoria throughout the program, Darshan, and uh, we'll do this to get the latest from the Oscar Pistorius trial, which started yesterday. That's on the show for today. Thank you, Darshan. Thanks very much, Rowena. But of course, stay tuned for that morning talk comes up at nine o'clock. But right now, talking to the Minister of Home Affairs, Naledi Pandor, and Nico Larude, the Group CEO of IntegrateImmigration.com, that says there's changes to South Africa's immigration laws, proposed amendments. You have some time to comment on it. But of course, if you'd like to do so, do so right here and now. Give us a call: oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight three four seven zero one. Your SMS hotline. I'll read those out shortly. But we've got Henry Nosisa and. Leon, who are holding on the line. We'll go to Henry first in Cape Town. Henry, good morning. Good morning, Passion. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Go ahead. I want to find out from the minister, why is it that to us you have received a permanent residence? You still have to go for verification of it in order to apply for, for an ID. 
does, it's not a big problem, that, but the problem is, is it how the verification is done. You get to a home affairs, they make a copy of your permanent residence, and they have to fax it. But the sad thing is they don't even give you a receipt for that process. Mm. And now uh, the process take long. I've, I've, I've done that twice already, two different home affairs in, in uh Paul and at Belleville, it has taken two months now, and no one comes back to you. When you call them, there's no way to trust it. There's no way to, 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 to find out where mm. it is. Henry, no Henry, Henry wh- wh- why did you have to do it twice, though? Because the first time I did it in Paul, it didn't work. Uh, no one knows what, what is happening. No one just said that they, they haven't gotten a reply from uh, the heart in, in Pretoria. So I went to do it again at Belleville, or office. Okay, Henry. and the same thing again because there's no tracing methods of of that mm. that, that that procedure. And what do they tell you? So it's been two months. I mean, what what do they tell you? When should you, according to your understanding, have feedback, Henry? Okay, we've just lost Henry's line. We'll try to get him back there. Nosisa in Johannesburg. Good morning. Hello. Um, thanks for taking my call. Mine. Uh, I just want to present my case. I'm a 41 year old uh, woman, South African, married to a Zimbabwean. And we've been married for 13 years with three children. So ours is not a marriage of convenience. Right, last right. year, my husband received a call that he should leave the country because his, um, his certificate of exemption was fraudulent and all of that. So we followed the case up and we presented our case, querying um, the call. Uh, we followed the case up to a point that he received recently. This uh, The call was received in July, but recently we received uh, documentation that his, the, the home affairs decided not to deport him. But now we submitted a long term, well, last year rather, mm-hmm. we submitted um, an, an application again now to collect all that which was considered um, Illegal because they took the the ID, uh, the permanent residence document, and we have not received anything. What we we the response that we are getting is that case uh, still has to be reviewed by the minister. And every time we follow up, uh, we're not getting much response. So we don't know what what it should take for us. Uh, or what to do to actually get that response. Mm. Nosisa, okay, stay, stay on the line, Nosisa. Let's, let's get the minister to talk to you directly. Minister, how, how would you deal with Nosisa and, and her query? If I can ask you to talk to her directly. Well, um, I wonder if you could give me your, uh, the details, the reference number, and perhaps your husband's name. Uh, the, my, husband, my husband's name is Tamsana Dude. And uh, we have written actually directly to you last year and the case has been sitting with somebody called Nico Kruger and I've just been well trying to communicate through email and been trying to call him directly but I'm not getting any luck. All right. Now what I'll do is I will follow up. Can I have your number? No, Cesar, what we'll do is we'll take your details off air. My producer will get those for you. Minister, will uh, send you a mail or uh, my producer will contact you and give you the yeah. details for Nasisa, her contact numbers, uh, the name of her husband and other details that you may require. But uh, perhaps we can deal with Henry's question first. I mean, I, I guess there's two there, Minister. I, you know, he wanted to find out why he wants, why he's needed to verify this information. And I think the second question that, that he hints at there is that 
that, you know, there's very little information when you turn up at home affairs offices. Very few people who know what to be done, which forms to be filled. Very few people willing to even offer that information, even if they have it. I mean, how much are you doing in terms of training and in just customer relations? It sounds like very basic things. It's not really education. This is absolutely true. Mm. It's a huge problem. Uh, I am trying to improve the client orientation, also to make sure that uh, the information on policy as well as regulations is not only in what's called the back office, Mm. but also the front desk. So I have uh, uh, asked managers to rotate staff so that those who deal with the application forms are sometimes at the front desk and actually deal with customers and assist them. Uh, We have established a learning academy, and we're training all our staff. In fact, I've just uh, introduced a a policy that everyone who's employed in the department must go through a basic orientation program on all the laws and regulations of home affairs as a standard practice. But uh, I I agree with you. I I think in our performance uh, uh, plan, we must have, a category on client relations, because really they are very, very poor and uh, at times it's quite disgraceful. But it's something I'm aware of and I am uh, uh, confronting it and trying to improve. There are, of course, many hundreds of our staff who are very, very good and who do serve uh, our clients very, very well. But uh, we do have, I'm afraid, a number uh, that are, are, are a disgrace. Nicola Rui, you've been there for quite some time. Has have things changed at Home Affairs? Well, well, I first of all want to say that that is where businesses like ourselves and immigration practitioners and lawyers actually fill the, the actual void. Right. Um, we've got people coming into our offices every day because they are just so confused and they're not getting any help from Home Affairs themselves. Um, I must be very honest, um, if um, um, Home Affairs, um, and especially their front desk and public relations service was very, very good, we would be automatically out of business because there they would be no need for us. But um, 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 people get very, very desperate, and which is the reason um, and the void that um, um, immigration practitioners really, really fall. Um, and because we we do that kind of business. Well, Minister, think, um, Minister, are we no longer going to be able to use uh, services like NICO if we're being asked to, to show up in person when we deal with home affairs? No, of course one can. You can use any service. We haven't prohibited a service. But in That's future, when we deal with home affairs, will we only have to deal with them in person or will companies like NICO's be able to represent us on our behalf? I think uh, NICO has, uh, along with uh, a representative organization of practitioners, been in discussion with our officials, and it's been made very clear that there isn't a prohibition on immigration practitioners. Mm -hmm. They can continue to offer advice uh, if they uh, wish to check and so on. Uh, They could do so, but uh, the applicants must begin to assume responsibility. Uh, for their applications. Part of our problem even with the case such as Henry's and the need to verify is we've had a number of permanent residence permits issued illegally or acquired fraudulently, thus compelling us to put measures in place to ensure Mm -hmm. that whatever document we deal with is actually a genuine uh, uh, document issued by a South African authority. I am, as I said, uh, uh, putting in place measures to improve the processing of such queries. They continue to be inadequacies, but uh, 
immigration practitioners uh, will be able to apply their trade as with every uh, business in the country. Nico Lurie, your, your thoughts on that? Should we be fixing the system before we tell you to step out of it? I think that um, there's a whole industry out there that, has, that can actually help home, home affairs. We are filling a void of interacting with with a section of, of, of customers and attracting investment and foreign skills to South Africa, which are busy dealing with them, which are willing, which are filling that void of customer relations as well as advice. Um, um, what we, I think, as immigration practitioners, and I can't talk for all the immigration practitioners, are pretty much saying to Home Affairs is work with us. Um, 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 come talk to us, and together we can actually all give a much better service. Is there rogue elements in it? Of course there is. There's rogue elements in any industry. What, what we are saying is please regulate it. Um, Section 46 has set out that Home Affairs do regulate immigration practice. Practitioners, there's just one problem. Practically, Home Affairs have never done that. We've written one small exam, and then you're an, you are an immigration pra- mm. practitioner. What we are saying is, let's work together to give a much better experience to the to the let's call it the customers of South Africa out there. And please regulate us very, very high. Let's eliminate all the rogue elements by high by by getting much high regulation and regulate us. However, what um, what the new regulations have done is repealed Section 46. So now there's no regulation where there, uh, where, where there used to be a little bit of regulation in, on paper. However, um, um, my feeling is, is that Amethy has never really um, 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 used those regulations. They've now repealed it and, and have taken it completely away. Um, and we think that, um, that, that regulations should come in, which makes it much more stricter, on the operations of immigration lawyers and immigration practitioners and actually regulate them and work together to give a much better service to the actual public out there. Calling us right now, we've got an immigration practitioner on the line from Cape Town. Leon, good morning. Yes, good morning. Hi. Thanks for calling in, Leon. What, what was it that made you want to call in? No, look, having a look through the regulations, uh, we see that the department is uh, wanting to implement these on the 1st of April. Mm. And there are obviously some serious issues which are going to come up in the commentary phase of things, or the public comment phase. Number one is um, the issues around um, the requirements for life partners are actually completely unconstitutional. There are established cases which I would expect I would have expected the department to know about. The one is Dawood Shalabi and others, and the other one is Boyson and others versus the previous ministers of Home Affairs, where the law is very clear about how life partners have to be treated with respect to any application. That's the first thing. Second thing is um, there's a, an increasing role allocated to the Department of Labor, and that department clearly does not have the capacity to exercise the functions which it has been allocated um, in the new regulations. So I'm saying, number one, first of April is not realistic, and number two, um, we need some guarantees and undertakings from the various ministers that if you allocate this role to labor, that in fact Labour needs to tell us how long it's going to take um, and that they need to have all of this capacity in place before the new systems are put in place. Leon, thanks for that call there. Minister, can we deal with the life partner permit question first? Uh, Leon, they're suggesting you could have a Concord challenge on your hands. Uh, No, I don't think there's anything that's unconstitutional in the proposed regulations, but I'm sure uh, Leon would have made uh, that submission. On the matter of the Labour Department, we have been in discussion with them 
and we've agreed that we are establishing dedicated offices and we will have the attention of a senior official to immigration matters in order to uh, accelerate uh, decision-making and advice in the part they play uh, uh, in the immigration regulations. Minister, so, uh, did you say a senior official? I, I imagine you're going to need more than just one person to do no, this. No, no, but to have oversight, because if you have something left in the hands of a director and there's no one more senior mm. that you can uh, uh, get to push on a matter, you you are left rather at sea. So we're addressing that. How well, staffed will, the, how well staffed will this unit be? Well, that's for the Minister of Labour to decide, but uh, the DG and my DG are in discussion on this because it's a gap uh, we've identified as a problem with respect to our own uh, processes. Do you think I'd like to say that mm-hmm. uh, I think this debate today is not reopening the arguments uh, that immigration practitioners placed before Parliament when the Immigration Amendment Bill was in Parliament. That mm-hmm. matter has been decided. We now have a, an act that has been amended, it's been signed into law, and we make regulation on the basis of the Act. I should say that immigration practitioners are not prohibited uh, from existing. We uh, could, could not do that and uh, do not desire to do it. They'll continue to be able to interact. But because persons are able to uh, present themselves, um, they then uh, can uh, collect their permits, They can approach home affairs officers. They do not require uh, uh, by law uh, or regulation an intermediary. But this does not prevent practitioners from continuing to offer a service. And some of them do it excellently. Mm -hmm. Others do it very, very badly. Minister, considering uh, confusion or perhaps misunderstanding or just the the raft of of material that individuals need to go through to understand these uh, amendments, is the 1st of April a realistic implementation date for this bill? Well, um, I've had the public uh, uh, complaining to me that uh, we've not given effect to the Act. Mm. Parliament has also uh, been very concerned. As I said, these amendments uh, uh, were concluded in 2011. It's taken three years. You can't have a, a sort of be in limbo uh, for all these years when you have an Act that sought to correct uh, uh, problems that you had in the past. So um, if we, uh, in the comment process, do not find that there are uh, very uh, difficult problems or issues for us to deal with, I would like to ensure that the uh, regulations are uh, uh, gazetted and, and uh, finalized as soon as possible. We'll take our two final callers on the forum at 8 this morning. Gift and PE, and then it's Mike in Cape Town. Gift, good morning. Good morning, Toshan, and good morning to the most effective minister in our country, uh, Comrade Pando. Look, I, I, I think what, what is missing in this debate, and I'm sure Minister will affirm that issue, is the fact that while immigration is about the enforcement of laws, rules, and regulations, it is of critical and of strategic importance that it be uncut and aligned to the promotion of economic development, job creation, and trade investment in South Africa within the SADC region, the African continent, and the rest of the world. So it is a well-accepted fact that South Africa cannot survive in a small region cave surrounded by a sea of poverty and save underdevelopment. So... In that fact, we need to build South Africa in a better Africa and in a better world. But last issue, I, I think the management of the migration has been largely based on legislative compliance 
and has failed to take into consideration dynamic changes such as the growth in transnational crime and new migration flows. So in this instance, migration needs to be managed holistically and proactively in order to secure in a very effective system. But last issue, I think the major challenge currently is that over 95% of those claiming Islam in South Africa are not genuine Islam seekers, but rather looking for work or business opportunities. So South Africa must take robust steps to be able to refuse Islam to Islam seekers who have transited through one or more safe countries. And to me, building appropriate relationship with other first countries, which are also signatories to the conventions on refugees, and in particular our neighbors, is key to resolving this problem in South Africa. Give thanks for that call. Mike in Cape Town, as brief as you can, Mike. Uh, I promise that. And yes, and, uh, good morning, Minister. Uh, my job, actually, in a sense, is to try and act like devil's advocate with this one because uh, you'll probably be aware of the fact that opposition parties are not invited to SABC anymore, especially onto this show. So I find some of the questions that I think the opposition parties will, would have asked, I would like to ask. And my, my question is this, having some experience in a little, just a little, and it was through a friend of mine uh, who really struggled to get papers through. He worked through a practitioner, and the frustration was enormous, but it was the only thing I think that kept him going was that he could talk to the practitioner because he got feedback. When he tried to go to home affairs, it was a very lonely place because nobody really looked after him, nobody understood, and frankly nobody cared, by the way. He was from African country. And so I, I'm, I'm not understanding why you want to bring this act in. It's a pity because you've got a practitioner there, but I feel he's too scared to, to really raise the issues because he doesn't want to fight with you. He's also got a job and a practice to run. So we're not really having a proper debate, but again, that's because we don't have opposition. But anyway, I'd love your opinion on this. Why, why do we have to get rid of these practitioners? I believe if you've got your department running correctly, Minister, and honestly, without corruption, you probably wouldn't have to have this act. Thanks, sir. Mike, thanks for that call. Minister? Well, I think, uh, uh, Darshan, what I, I would recommend would be that you might want to do a practical look at uh, the whole issue of immigration practitioners and talk to uh, some of the uh, uh, clients that have used practitioners, some successfully, some not so successfully, and so on and so forth. What do you think it However, will reveal? It will reveal that there have been some problems and some advantages not all uh, uh, roses. Um, but let me say that uh, I believe that my job is to ensure that home affairs becomes more efficient, becomes more client-friendly, has processes that are modern, that recognize the opportunities that immigration offers, but also the security uh, uh, problems that can be associated with inefficient administration of immigration. That is my task. I have to improve the department and ensure that it executes its job properly. I know we're not doing so in all cases yet at the moment. The regulations are part of the step toward improving uh, our immigration regime and ensuring uh, that we rank uh, um, with the uh, best in the world. I'm saddened that we haven't discussed uh, many of the positive aspects of the immigration regulations such as the extension of the intra-company transfer permit, the uh, employment of South Africans being a majority component of uh, businesses to be established, the opportunities for foreigners to invest in South Africa and to get permits on the basis of proven capital investment uh, in our country, the attraction of researchers, of, of skilled persons, uh, the intention I have spoken to, of addressing the areas that GIFT has referred to, 
to uh, create uh, uh, visas that would accommodate SADC economic migrants as distinct from genuine asylum seekers from conflict areas of the world. So there are uh, uh, several positive steps, and we are committed in Home Affairs to continue uh, to work at improving uh, the work that we do, and of course, to work closely with stakeholders to draw on their experience and advice. And I believe uh, Mr. Leroux and several other uh, immigration practitioners actually do uh, provide a service that I think is of benefit to clients, and they'll be able to continue to do so. But we, on our side, cannot use anyone as a crutch. We must improve and be efficient. Mr. LaRue, your final thought on this, perhaps a message from uh, others like you in the industry or on behalf of your clients. What, what, would, what message would you like to leave the minister with this morning or one issue that you'd like her to, to deal with? Well, as an immigration practitioner, first of all, it's, it's, it's actually great to hear the minister um, what she's just said and actually recognize immigration practitioners. Because reading, um, reading the new regulations and the lead up to the new regulations, um, 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 the industry, um, and I can't completely speak for the whole industry, but um, for surely us as immigration practitioners, it felt like home affairs are trying to actually write us completely out of law, which, which kind of what the regulations are kind of doing, and um, they actually do not want to work with us. I think, I think yet again, and excuse me for repeating myself, we are filling a void uh, between the public and the actual home affairs department. Um, 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 and if home affairs department was completely um, 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 efficient, um, yes, then we would gladly be out of work. With regards to the new regulations, um, um, I think that, um, um, like in any economic development where there is uncertainty, it actually costs a huge, of money, huge amount of money. We also question, the, as Leon said, the timing of the bill. The first time that we saw the draft got published was, the, I think, the 19th of February, which gave about seven working days for actual comment. Um, it's been now extended for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we just question why so quick. Yes, there has been a lead-up, and you can speculate what was in the draft um, regulations, but the first time we actually laid, la- laid our eyes on the draft regulations was, was on the 19th of February to be implemented on the 1st of April. Now, as the, as the amended regulations stand there, there's a huge amount of gray areas. Um, we are busy turning away business clients that um, we get about 50 inquiries a month um, of people wanting to open up businesses in South Africa. We are now compelled to say to them at this stage, we do not know. The DTI has not has not laid out a definition of a desired business. Um, so at this stage, I cannot tell any client um, what what is defined as as a desired business inside South Africa. And um, um, therefore, we are busy turning away skilled people as well as capital that South Africa really needs, mainly because there's so much uncertainty. Yes, I think over amount of time that uncertainty will be um, will be sorted out, and we'll be back to we will we we should be back to normal. Okay. Um, but mm-hmm. this this uncertainty is actually not necessary. Um, um, it seems to me that the timing and the the short time um, um, that that this draft of regulations needs to be pushed through is a huge concern to us. Nicola Roo, Group CEO of IntegrateImmigration.com and earlier the Home Affairs Minister, Ms. Naledi Pandor. Thanks so much for your time on the show today. Lots more for us to get into there, and there's a couple of takeaway points. If there are issues that you'd still like us to get into, you can write into the show. For myself, Darsha Midley, and the rest of the team, I appreciate your time this morning. We'll join you again 6 to 9 a.m. tomorrow. Next up, your 9 o'clock news bulletin with Kerit Lala.